Hi, this is Lauren Angle of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Angle. Today I'm here with B. Miller. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so, you were born in New Jersey? Yeah, I actually was born in Manhattan. I was raised in New Jersey. I lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn oh. um, until I was four. And then my parents adopted my younger siblings. And then we could not afford the amount of space that we mm. didn't, needed in New York anymore. Yeah. So we moved to New Jersey. And what do your parents do? Um, one of my parents was a TV producer for many, many years, and now I actually don't know what she's doing because I haven't spoken to her in a while. Oh. Um, <laughs> the other one was a stage manager um, for basically her entire career and then recently just retired, actually. So, But both of my parents were in, in the industry in a way, which is interesting. And I, yeah. didn't, I didn't purposely end up in the, same, in the same industry. They were more TV, though. Yeah. Yeah. And you were listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin. ACDC. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. Well, my mom, the mom who was a, a stage manager, um, she was actually a vinyl DJ when, like, in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, somewhere That's so in there. Cool. She was a vinyl DJ for a large majority of her life before she was like, okay, I had to get a real job, and then she was a stage manager, and then I think she did both at the same time for a while. And so my mom had to know all different genres of music at a time when you actually had to own the record in order to play it. Mm -hmm. And so my mom knew all music because she would have to play very different music at a wedding than she would play at a club, than she would play at a party or whatever else. So my mom raised me just surrounded by every style of music. Like she would play the Itsy Bitsy Spider and then she would play ACDC and then she would play like Aretha Franklin, you know? Like she just constantly was switching it up and I thank her for that because I think she's the main reason why I love music so much. Yeah, and it was kind of a liberal area because like, it was accepting to have two moms, right? Yes, in my hometown, Maplewood, it was very accepted to have kind of a different family. Um, a lot of people were part of the LGBTQ plus community um, where I grew up and it was very accepted and it was actually it was really awesome, but it was actually, it made it really hard for me when I had to leave and go out into the real world, because then I discovered that there are a lot of a-holes in the real world who yeah. are not as accepting. So that was a little bit hard for me. It was a little bit like three, being thrown into cold water when I, like, I realized that not everyone is like the people of my hometown, but I feel like the world is slowly becoming a more accepting place, mm -hmm. yeah. hopefully. Before music, what were you interested in? Um... I was always friends with the weird, like, stoner skaters <laughs> who just, like, sat around and, like, just hung out and just, like, skated everywhere. And, like, we would just loiter. That was basically all I did my entire childhood was just loiter. I just, I never have gotten along very closely with most girls. I don't know why that is. Like, I try really hard to make gal pals, but I usually just, like, fit into the vibe of, like, just hanging out with a bunch of guys for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I grew up with only women. I had two moms growing up and two sisters growing up, and it was just only women in my house at all times. So maybe that's the reason why. But I honestly, like, I didn't love doing a lot of activities because we couldn't afford to do a lot of activities. Mm. So it was just a lot of, like, standing around. <laughs> sitting in places that would allow us to sit there without buying something. Did he like school growing up? No, I hated school. Yeah. I never, ever liked school. I was... I was good in subjects that I cared about. Like I was really, I could get A's in like science classes and 
some social studies classes, like history classes, things like that, because I actually cared about the subject. But with math and other, other such subjects, I was never much of a winner in those. I would definitely get D's and F's, actually, a lot of times. <laughs> Stay in school, um, but it just wasn't for me at all. So your parents kind of knew that you were going to be in a creative career, yeah. I guess. I think that they always knew that it would be something. Um, I still want to do this, but apparently when I was younger, like, I really, like, acted out a lot of scenes with my hands and my dolls and like I really like my parents thought that I wanted to make movies which I actually do still want to do that oh, like movies cool. and TV I think eventually I'll be able to get to it hopefully um and then you also want to be an astronaut yeah but then I also want to be an astronaut <laughs> amongst a million other things um but yeah I mean it was just what the hell was I even saying I don't know I just went down a pathway and now I can't go back from it and then with singing, like, is that something that you kind of found on your own that you were good at? Were your friends singing or...? I always loved to sing because, like I said, my mom just raised me surrounded by a lot of music, a lot of different variations, styles of music, and just all kinds of artistry. Um, and so I loved to sing, and I liked to do it, but I actually didn't think that I had a great voice for a lot of my life because... I couldn't do like crazy runs and hit these high notes like mm. Christina Aguilera can do and like I thought that that's what singing was for a long time and I didn't realize that if you have like a different way of singing which I think I do because of my raspy voice then that's also like equally as interesting to people and so I never thought that I could actually make a career out of it I just knew I liked to do it and one day I was just up in my room I think I was singing along to an Adele song and whenever I was finished with the song and I was done like singing it, whatever, just messing around by myself, I heard crying outside my bedroom door. And I walked outside and my mom was sitting there crying on the floor. And she was like, I didn't know that you could do that. And I was like, I'm getting goosebumps by you telling me. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, I didn't know I could do that either. Like, I didn't know that what I was doing right now was like relevant in that way. And from then on, I realized, like, wow, maybe I can actually do something that I love to do every day of my life. Like, it was that moment where I was like, oh, like, I guess, I guess I can, like, communicate with people through yeah. this. Yeah. Were you do, did you ever do any local performances? Um, yeah, I mean, I did a few in my hometown in Maplewood, but by the time I really got into singing, I was already, like, out in the world and, like, mm. beyond that, and... I think also a lot of people have like a dream of like going back one day and playing like their hometown venues that they used to play when they were smaller once they blow up but I couldn't afford to go to a lot of shows when I was younger and I couldn't afford to put any on and so I've never actually really done a lot of hometown stuff and I've never seen a lot of shows in my hometown so I don't really have like oh like I can't wait to like go back and play my hometown in 10 years but I definitely would do small things, like we have our own version of Pride in Maplewood where we just do like Maplewood Pride and everyone just comes to like this one park and hangs out and there's music, like I've sung at that and just random things like that before. Were you already starting to write your own your own music? Um, I've always been a writer, like I always write down my feelings, it's, I've noticed the only way for most of my life that I've been able to fully communicate and like let out how I feel in order to move on from things. I've noticed about myself that I cannot move on from something until I get it out of my head. And for a long time, that would just mean me complaining about things or just talking about things endlessly with people who didn't really want to hear it and I would probably mm -hmm. drive them crazy. And I started to feel bad about that. So at one point I was just like, you know what? I'll just tell this piece of paper. And so I started writing things down and for many years it was poetry. 
And that was oh. my thing because it was before my parents were able to get me a guitar and I was too young to figure out how to get one for myself and so I didn't really know how to make music because mm -hmm. I couldn't create melodies to sing along to because mm -hmm. I had no instruments. So I would write a lot of poetry and then eventually I was able to get a guitar and then I started putting my poems that I had already written to the melodies and then I started actually writing songs from there. Yeah, and what clicked you to like go on TV? Um, honestly, um, my parents both lost their jobs around the exact same time when the market crashed in like 2008 or 9. And um, for a while they couldn't get them again and actually haven't since then gotten jobs. Um, You're the breadwinner. Yeah, yeah. It's, sometimes that's awesome and sometimes it really sucks. Stressful. Yeah, it's very stressful wow. to be 19 and have <laughs> yourself and three other that's people crazy. that you have to like pay for food for and things like that. Like yeah. it's kind of a crazy thing. But my parents both... Um, lost their jobs and then one of them went into like a, a spiral of depression where we oh. didn't see her anymore she was in the basement she never talked to us anymore and it was like really hard for us and then my other mom had to compensate for everything and so she had to wake up and bring us to school and then like help us with our homework when we got back and make dinner and like put us to bed and do all this stuff by herself while also trying to make enough money for us to get by so we were struggling and Eventually, our house was going to get foreclosed on, and when I found out about it, like, I started falling into a depression, and I was so miserable, and then one day, I woke up, and I don't know what inspired it, but I was like, I don't want to live this life. I don't want to, like, lose our house and have to go live with my aunt and, like, change schools mm -hmm. and, like, all that. I didn't want, I was just, like, so bothered by the fact that my parents, like, weren't getting up and doing something about it, or that they couldn't at that time, and then... I used to always watch American Idol, but I was 13 at this moment, and so I couldn't audition for it because you had to be 15 to do that. And then I saw an advertisement for X Factor, and I saw that on X Factor you could be 13 when you auditioned. And I think I was 12, like almost 13, but I would be 13 by the audition time. And so I saw that they had a $5 million prize, and in that moment I was only 12, and I was like, all I want to do Whoa. is just stay in my school with my friends and like not have to leave my, my house. Like, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily ready to be like, yeah, like I'm gonna fully have a career now, and I'm only 12. So at that moment in time, I was just thinking like, I'm gonna go on there, I'm gonna try my best to win and get that money from my family, and then we're gonna keep our house and I'm gonna come home and go I back to my normal that. life. And that was like my plan. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't win, which was actually a blessing. I, I didn't realize it at the time. Um, I didn't win because my vocal cord hemorrhaged and the vocal coach told the producers that I had to go home and be voted off because if I kept singing, I would not be able to sing anymore after a certain oh, wow. point and then I would never be able to sing again because my chords are really fucked up. And, um, and so then I went home and then Simon, who was one of the judges, signed me to his label like literally a few days after that and it ended up leading me here somehow. <laughs> Did you think it was too fast to sign because you didn't really have your own music out? And they could have, and they did kind of initially shape you like to sing on those records. Yeah, I mean it was overwhelming when I found out I was getting signed. I was obviously very happy, but I was also like, "What does this mean for my life?" You know, yeah. my original plan was to try to get the money, and if I didn't, I just was gonna figure something else out. And I just wanted to like stay at home in New Jersey because when you're a kid, like you can't conceptualize the idea of like moving very easily and like having a whole new life because you're like, "I'm just a kid. Like I just want to stay here with mm -hmm. my friends." and like not so it was kind of hard for me to like conceptualize it when it all happened and I found out that like I basically like had to move to LA and like for a while I lived with my uncles in Huntington Beach and we would have to drive to LA every day because we couldn't afford a place in LA yet it was like a whole thing so like that part of it was very overwhelming 
and the fact that it was Simon Cowell's label and I had watched him on my TV my entire life was really overwhelming, but at the same time I was excited because I was like, this is something that people dream about that doesn't happen to most people and like now I have like an entire label who believes in me and is going to help me put out my music and like share my message with the world. And that's when it really sunk in that like, wow, like I get to do this like with my life and like just talk to people for a living basically and yeah. like communicate with them through music, which is really cool. Did you have any mentors or anyone you could reach out to that point to like be like, oh, is this a good record to sign? What should I do with my career? Like you don't want to, especially because you were so young at that point. They yeah, when I was younger, I was actually much more stubborn. Um, so sometimes people would try to help me and as they should have and as was very nice of them and I would be like, no, like I want to do this, this and that. And also at the time I was very into like pop punk and I wanted to like be in a screamo band. I didn't want to be like a pop singer. Like it was weird time in my life when I was like 14, 15, even into 16. But then eventually like I started realizing like these people are here for a reason. They know a lot about this industry because they've been doing it for X amount of years and I should listen to them and I'm not always right about everything and I think eventually we all figure that out but I think that when we're like 12, 13, 14, like all of us think we're invincible and so I just thought I was invincible and that I was always right about everything at first and eventually I had to learn that other people are right about things a lot and that I'm wrong a lot and that I'm also right a lot and that I'm allowed to like stand up for myself if I am but that I need to recognize when I'm making a mistake or when I'm just talking out of my behind. <laughs> what did your mom think about the whole thing initially and you getting into the industry so early? I think the hardest thing for my mom, because she's always been really supportive of me, the hardest thing for my mom that I still talk to was the fact that I had to leave New Jersey where she stayed with my siblings so that they could continue going to their school and everything. She stayed there with them and then I went with my other mom to California and I think that was the hardest part for her was like having to watch her 13 year old daughter move away so young and I haven't really lived at home with her since then and now I have my own place and I think that she knew that like once I left that like I wasn't going to be living in her house with her every day anymore after that and I think that was probably the hardest but she's always been very supportive of my actual career and like what I want to do with my life. Yeah. I think it's just sometimes hard for her that like it can't always involve her. Mm -hmm. Have you always had, like, mild social anxiety? Um... I think you said, like, in a previous interview. Yeah, I don't know, actually. I can't really remember. I do remember, though, at one point, I think it was easier for me to make friends and to talk to people, but sometimes I wonder if that was because I was in school with them and I was forced to be around them every day, so it was easier for me to make friends. Um, but as long as I can remember in, like, the recent past, like, I have always just felt like the odd one out in every social situation ever. Mm. Like, I don't, I have a best friend, her name is Katie, but she lives in New Jersey, and so I don't really get to hang out with her that often anymore, and actually now she's in college at Penn State, so I really don't get to see her that often. And we still talk every day, but I don't have, like, a best friend besides Katie to the point where, like, we literally do everything together, and, like, we know each other really well, and, like, are physically together a lot. And so, like, whenever I go out and do things with people, I don't have, like, my one person with me who makes me feel secure enough to, like, talk to everyone else. And, like, I just can't do it alone. I don't know why that is. And, like, I've always just felt like I'm the one person in the room who's, like, not specifically important to everybody else. And everyone else always seems like they have someone that they're specifically important to in the room who, like, wants them there. And, like, I do think a lot of that is in my head, but... Anytime I'm talking to a stranger, like having a conversation with someone I've never spoken to before, like small talk is just really hard for me. Having to be like, nice to meet you, what's up? Like, yeah. 
what do I say now? Like, I don't know what comes after that. Like, small talk and trying to keep up with it and actually be interested in it is very hard for me because the entire time in my head, I'm like, what do I say when they're done talking? Like, what question do I ask them? How do I keep the conversation going? They're going to know that I'm awkward. They're, they're going to think that I'm being weird and, like, I can't hold the conversation. Like, I get very... And then it creates an even bigger problem in the moment. And it's just like a lot. So most of the time, I just stay in my house. And <laughs> I don't go and hang out with people. <laughs> and then the first few songs, it kind of they just gave it to you to sing, right? And it was difficult because your fans were like relating to it, but you didn't write it. Yeah, my first album, um, I was only 14 and 15 when I was recording it. And I wrote on, I think, two or three of the songs, maybe. Um, but I didn't really get to fully be like, okay, these are my songs. It was kind of like, here are songs that we think are good, sing them because they'll work. And at the time, like I was saying, I was very stubborn at that age. And I was very like, screw this. Like, I don't want to sing these songs. And I probably drove everybody crazy. But they were like, B, listen, you are 15 years old. You just became a part of the music industry. You don't know what you're talking about because I didn't. <laughs> And we know what we're talking about. Sing these songs for your first album, and on your second album, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, yeah, like, okay, like, whatever, I'm sure. And then on my second album, they actually did let me do what I want, and I got to write all the songs. So it all worked out for the best in the end, but in the beginning, when that was the only album I had, I was just very frustrated. I was like, these are my people, like, these are my fans, and, like, I don't want to... I would never sing a song I don't relate to. Like, all the songs on my first album are things where when I heard the lyrics, I was like, yes, this sounds like something that I've thought before, that I potentially would have wrote this song, but I didn't. And the fact that I didn't was very frustrating to me because I'm all about honesty. Like, my goal has always been to be the artist that I looked for when I was younger in the sense that I just want to be truthful with people. I don't only want to tell them about the good things and the happy things and the things that are cool and exciting and whatever. Like, I want to talk about real things and be a real person and not have like an artist persona like I've always just wanted to really communicate with my fans and so it was just, that was why it was hard for me because I was like I feel like I'm lying to them because I didn't write these songs and so that was a little bit hard for me but a lot of my fans really love those songs and those songs are still meaningful to them regardless and they're meaningful to me it's just it was frustrating at the time that I couldn't write them but it's okay it all yeah. worked out <laughs> Was it, were you ever nervous going into the studio and writing with a lot of people who are older than you? Like, and also like sharing your personal thoughts, it's difficult back then. Yeah, it was weird in the beginning of the writing process. Um, when we first started working on my second album and everyone was like, okay B, now you have the freedom you were asking for, like go out and write songs. And at that time I was 16 or maybe had just turned 17 actually, when I first started writing. and. It was a lot of different different rooms on different days with different adults and I was always the youngest person there by like 10, 15, 20 years and I would have to walk into this, these rooms full of adult men, strangers and they'd be like, what do you want to write about? And I'd have to tell them something really personal about myself in order to write it. And so at first that was really weird and really hard for me and I always felt like for a minute, I felt like my ideas weren't worth saying out loud because I was like, these people are going to think I'm stupid because they're so much older than me and they've been doing this for so much longer. So when I start talking to them about my ideas, they're going to think it's dumb, which is not how it works. That's just my own insecurities that were telling me that. 
But then eventually I got more comfortable in the studio. I started to narrow down the people that I worked with mm -hmm. because I started to find people that I really connected with and really liked. And so there was a lot less of like having to tell a stranger my whole life story and a lot more of like me becoming friends with producers and feeling really comfortable talking to them and like really enjoying our time together writing and creating music together. Um, but at first I definitely was insecure. And then eventually I realized like everyone has bad ideas. The greatest writers in the world have had bad ideas. The greatest, most brilliant people you can think of have had bad ideas. It's just, I feel like sometimes you come up with good ones, sometimes you come up with bad ones, and some days are just like in the middle, and that's just how it goes. And eventually I learned to accept that when I started seeing that other writers would say things, and then the writers would look at them and be like, ah, I don't know about that idea, or like, ah, I don't know about that line, or whatever. And then I started to realize, like, oh, it's not just me. We're all allowed to speak freely in here, and someone will just be honest with us if they don't think it's the right idea, and it's totally fine. Yeah. But it took me a while to get there. <laughs> what inspiration did you have for the chapters? Was it another artist doing something similar, or...? Actually, no. I don't... Sometimes I really think about that. I'm like, how did I come up with that concept? Like, I really don't know. Things just kind of fall into place and start feeling right, and then you just work with it, I think. But um, originally, we were getting close to figuring out the release date. We had a lot of songs in our corner. We were like, okay, like we have enough now to where like maybe we need a few more that we need to write. But we're basically, we basically have the album now. Like what do we do? How do we release it? And I brought up the point of like, I think it's really strange that people are still releasing full albums. Like just knowing all my friends personally who are young and like are the age of the people that I'm trying to communicate with as fans. Like I just noticed a lot of them don't have time in their day to listen to an entire album of somebody. Everyone is all about making your own albums, making your own playlist with many different artists and many different songs that you want to hear in one moment. And so I was like, I think releasing like 15 songs at once is just kind of like, we, like what can we do to do something else? And someone else actually suggested the EP idea mm -hmm. that builds into an album. And I was like, that's brilliant. But like, how do I decide now which three songs go together all three times? Like, how do I decide how to compartmentalize these songs that in an album all work together? But I was like, how do I just pick three that make sense as like one collective thing? And I, I have synesthesia and like I've always seen colors when I listen to music and textures and sometimes shapes and objects and other things depending on the lyrics of the song and the actual artists themselves and the music or whatever else. Um, and so I just started listening to my own songs and putting them in categories based on the most predominant color I saw when I listened to the songs and like the feeling that I got from it. And it just so happened that a lot of the songs that were sad or angry or just like kind of scrambled were blue or shades of blues or purples or grays and things like that. And so that became chapter one blue. A lot of the songs that were angry or empowered or inspired or just like pissed or confused or whatever the hell I was feeling at the time ended up being predominantly reds, purples, pinks, sometimes oranges. And then all the songs that were a little bit more like easy going, and this isn't all of them, it was just kind of the ones that ended up being the ones we released. But most of them fell into these categories, and then, you know, the ones that were a little bit more laid back, a little bit, like, less opinionated and more just like, here's something I'm going to talk about, blah, blah, here's the words, were kind of in yellow, orange, like, whitish kind of tones. Um, and so I just started kind of compartmentalizing them like that, and that's how the EPs came to be. And then I realized, like, not only do these all have a distinguished color, but they also have a distinguished emotion that they that makes sense for all three of the songs on each EP. And that's kind of yeah. I just went with that. <laughs> and how about your album Aurora? 
Aurora originally was going to be called Spectrum um, because we started putting out the EPs a full year before we released Aurora. We started putting the EPs out a year before we released Aurora as a collective, and so in that year, I changed a lot as a person, and a lot of the ideas that I originally formulated about the album changed because I changed. And so then I started feeling like Spectrum wasn't enough, because originally that was supposed to represent that you know, each chapter was a primary color, and all three primary colors come together to create any color in the spectrum, and that was mm. why my album was going to be that, so it was just going to be, like, all the colors together, among a lot of other ideas that I had with that. Um, but then I realized that it was more than that to me. It started to become, like, my first real opportunity to fully express my own opinions with the entire world, or anybody who I could get to listen. And so I wanted it to be deeper than that, and so I actually changed the title, like, a few weeks before we put it out. Oh, wow. And I was like scrambling on Google. I was just, I spent like two hours straight on Google trying to find a word that captured what I was feeling. And eventually I got to Aurora. The first definition of Aurora obviously has to do with the Aurora Borealis, which I thought was cool because I was like, cool, like it has to do with colors and like all my APs have to do with colors and they're very color predominant. But then the second meaning was dawn. And I was like, okay, what's that about? So then I started reading further into it, and apparently um, there's a story of the goddess Aurora, and every morning she would s sit in her chariot and fill it with flowers, which I thought was very relevant because each of my EPs is correspondent with a different flower, and she would fly across the sky throwing flowers from her chariot and pulling the sun behind her. So basically she was considered the bringer of a new day or a new beginning, and to me, because this is my second album, it isn't the beginning, but for me it's a new beginning and it feels like the beginning because this is the first body of work that I put out that I wrote all by myself. So I was able to find a title that incorporated the, the colors in my EPs and also a meaning for me that kind of created itself out of the experience that I had making the album. What were the personal thoughts be, uh, going on in your head while you were writing the song with Noted? Uh, I actually didn't write the song with Noted, which was hard for me for a minute because I'm very obsessed about the fact that now that I have the ability to write my own music, I don't really want to put out anything that I haven't written. But when I heard the song, I realized that it was so good that I couldn't have necessarily written a song better than that in this moment about that specific topic. And I fell in love with it because it sounded like something I would write lyrically, maybe not melodically or the production or anything else like that. Um, which is good because it's a noted song, not a B. Miller song, so it should sound like them. Um, but I realized that I had felt that emotion and I related to it so strongly that like I couldn't not do the song. Like, I felt it so much, like it spoke so loudly to me that I was like, I have to put my voice on this song. I think it will speak to other people as loudly as it speaks to me. And then maybe Noted and I will write our own song together in the future because of this song and we'll put that one out and people will get to hear from me directly. How would you say you've grown as a person since you were younger? I mean, we all grow as people since we're younger. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I would say I just have figured out a lot of things about myself that have helped me be better for other people. I think I struggled for a very long time with thinking that I was right a lot and that everyone sucked and that everything sucked and that life was pointless and all this other drama that clouded my brain at all times and nobody ever wanted to listen to me and I just felt very frustrated and alienated and like nobody cared. And I started to realize that 
if I care about something and I put effort into it and I just stay in my lane and mind my business, other people will catch on to it. And that if someone tells me that I can't do something for this, this, and this reason, that maybe they're right and maybe they have a point or that I shouldn't do something and maybe I can argue my point back with them but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're trying to shut me down and maybe it just they're actually trying to help in a way that I wish that they weren't trying to help me but sometimes I need and like yeah. I've just learned how to accept advice from others more and be less stubborn and less like no it can only go the way that I need it to go because I'm a little bit of a control freak <laughs> and I've kind of learned to let go of all my like pent up anger and aggression and like hatred towards the world and feeling like misunderstood and whatever else and kind of just let it roll into like I think everyone feels misunderstood sometimes I think everyone feels shut down sometimes by other people but it's okay and just like keep doing what you do and what you enjoy doing and like it'll all end up being fine in the end what does love mean to you what does love mean to me mm -hmm. love means everything um I think I think it's the most important thing actually I really I can't put anything else above love and compassion and understanding another person I think what love really is, is finding that, is finding understanding in somebody else who like you feel like you've actually found one person in the entire world of seven billion who fully gets you. And maybe it's not just one person, there are a lot of different forms of love and a lot of different people that you can love at once. But I think really ultimately love is just being there for somebody in the way that they receive it. I think that we all send and receive love in different ways and real love is when you find someone who, who emits and accepts love in the same ways that you do and so you can fully communicate with them and once you find that, it completely changes your life, whether or not it ends up working out or whatever else. I feel like until you experience love, like you can't necessarily understand what it's like to be in another person's head, if that makes sense, because with love, like you get all the good things and you also get the bad things. Mm. You get to hear about everything that a person is feeling. Hopefully, if you really love each other, you talk to each other and you work things out together and you're there for each other. And, like, you really get to see another perspective on life that is coinciding with yours alongside yours. And it really it really can change you. And it doesn't matter who you love and 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 what kind of love it is, what kind of relationship it is, but just as long as you can feel that for somebody, that's just the most important thing. I love that. Thanks. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for being the person that I think I am. And I read something recently about how everyone perceives you differently than you perceive yourself mm. because only you can hear your thoughts. So only you really yeah. know like everything about yourself and nobody else sees it. And I hope that I can somehow figure out how to project who I know that I am to myself inside, to others, because I really make a huge effort to like prioritize other people's feelings and like emit positive vibes out into the world, mostly, or if they are negative vibes, it's, it's aiming towards a positive direction. If I put out a song that's about a sad topic, it's because I want to be able to be there for people who are feeling sad so that eventually they can feel better because they know that they're not alone. Like, I feel like everything I do is to try to be there for people in a way that I used to feel like nobody was there for me. Mm. And so I just hope that I can spread the message of trying to be there for other people even when it's inconvenient for you and trying to keep a positive mindset and just trying to 
bring other people joy rather than bringing other people sadness and stress and whatever else it is that we can do to affect people. And I hope that people know that's what I was trying to do and I hope that they know that not only do I write songs for myself, but I write them for the world to hopefully change it for the better. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks. This is awesome. Of course. This was rad. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.